Welcome to Discovering You, a podcast that explores the intricacies of personality and how it impacts the way we navigate through life. What will you discover today? Hi, listeners. Hi, Heather. Hello. I hope everyone is enjoying the start of the summer season. What is something that you associate with summer? If you said ice cream, you may be interested to know that it's National Ice Cream Day this weekend. It seems fitting, right? So to start off today's episode, I'm going to illustrate the disc factors through variety of ice cream. For Heidi, it's affogato. Now, if you're not familiar with the name, I don't blame you. I wasn't either. It's Italian, and it literally means drowned in coffee. It's vanilla ice cream topped with a shot of hot espresso. So it is strong and it packs a punch. For high eyes, it's a banana split. Fun and fanciful. High S is a milkshake. Smooth and balanced. High C is an ice cream sandwich. Structured and a precise ratio of chocolate biscuit to ice cream. Okay, I don't know about you, but now I'm craving a sweet treat. How about you, Heather? Which one would you pick? Okay, so I have a serious sweet tooth. So I absolutely love this comparison. All right. When we were going through it, I think, oh, I love banana splits. I would never have one, but I love them. Yeah. But I am, in actuality, an ice cream sandwich person. <gasps> and I know that just because the description is this way doesn't actually reflect if you're a high yeah. C, you like ice cream sandwiches. But in this case, I 100%. Except do. it does in this case. Yes. And that's so <laughs> funny because that's what I was going to say too. I'm not in general a huge ice cream fan, but I love ice cream sandwiches. So we both have C's in our profile. So it, it does work out. Makes sense. Anyway, listeners, you can let me know if it worked out for you. I am so excited because we have a guest today. And what a guest it is. Kathleen Black is the founder and CEO of KBCC, Kathleen Black Coaching and Consulting. She is a globally recognized mindset and performance expert, a best-selling author, and speaker. Kathleen's most recent book inspired a documentary about her life story. Relentless to Rise is directed by Emmy-winning M. Douglas Silverstein and has premiered in several locations in California. It won the Award of Excellence for a short documentary by IndieFest Film Awards. Kathleen is certified in DISC, and like me, she incorporates it into her business and day-to-day life. She and I like to play in the same wheelhouse. Full disclosure here, we may end up geeking out over some of these topics that we share a passion for. Kathleen is also certified in NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, which I find so fascinating, and if we have time, I'd love to get to that too. For those of you who have listened to the previous episodes, you'll recognize the topics that we're going to chat about today, primarily DISC introversion, and the Enneagram, but we're going to get into them on a personal level and discuss how they helped both Kathleen and me with our own self-awareness and the ability to connect, guide, and coach others. Hi, Kathleen. Thanks for joining me on Discovering You. Hi, Victoria. Thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to this. Me too. I want to start with DISC. And just quickly for any new listeners, DISC is an acronym for Dominance, Influence, Steadiness, and Compliance, which are four quadrants that our behavior falls into. They impact the way we express ourselves, how we're perceived, and ultimately how we interact with others. Kathleen, I'd love to know, when were you first introduced to DISC and how would you say it's been helpful in your business? 
I think I was introduced to it when I was managing dental offices, but likely also in university because I have a double major in psychology and women's studies. Mm. So I, I know we definitely did some work in personality, whether it was DISC per se, I'm not sure, but it would have been then. And the second part was how has it helped in my business? Yeah. It helped in a couple of ways. I mean, first, I'm a big believer in leaders learning to lead ourselves first mm. instead of focusing so much on leading others. Like, what if we focused on leading ourselves? And I mean, I have quite a unique disc profile and unique Myers-Briggs, and I really needed to understand myself so I could see how I could help other people. And I don't think without some of these tools to know myself better that I would have gotten out of alien status, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just thought the whole world was nuts except me. I really needed to understand not only I wasn't nuts, other people weren't. And when I say nuts, it's like a different way of perceiving the world. Like when you think somebody's a little off, it's basically, I don't understand how they see the world or how they're, how they're choosing the things they are. So, I mean, I really didn't understand how other people were operating. And when I started to know myself, I was like, wow, no, it's you <laughs> who in fact see the world very differently. And on top of that, that means you have some really unique gifts for how you can help other people and they have gifts for you. So it's helped me. I couldn't do what I do now without having these types of tools. It's just not possible. Exactly. And I, I love your point about that. And I think I felt that way too, when you're looking at other behavior and it's different to yours and you think you're doing it right. So, you know, in your mind, it's like, well, this is the right way. So therefore that must be the wrong way. And it really is like a light bulb going off when you realize, oh, okay, no, we're all coming at this maybe a little bit differently, but is there a way we can connect? And make sure that we're understanding. One of the analogies I'll use sometimes in a workshop or something is to say, imagine you're speaking different languages. So if you're speaking Italian and the other person is speaking Spanish, neither of you understand that language. You're not going to get very far. Having something like DISC is a really good tool to make sure that you're able to speak a common language. It's so funny you say <laughs> that because when I used to do DISC or so I say the same thing. I say, you all think we're all speaking mm -hmm. English today. But really, we're not. We're all speaking completely different versions of, of English, so yes. to speak. So I completely... Exactly. Just to dive into your profile a little bit. Your profile is D is your highest. It's not surprising. D being, you know, very direct and driven, followed by the I being influential and inspiring. You have a low S, which is really that restless energy, the ability to juggle multiple things. And then you have a low but a flick up C, which means that you like to be autonomous. You're willing to take risks. The reason I say a flick up C, I'm getting super technical here, but those of you who are geeking out who know what this means, it means that while you have that ability to be an out-of-the-box thinker, which is low C, you also, when it's flicking upwards, it means that you do respect the need for rules and processes, and you obviously will comply when necessary. On this note, <laughs> I want to share a story about where I think, anyway, I saw your profile in action. Recently, you and I spoke at the same conference, and it was one of the first in-person events that we had been to in a while because we've been living in this crazy Zoom world for the past couple of years. And I know with Zoom, we really rely on tech, right? Because it's sort of one of those things you want people to be involved and, and to maybe see things to make it a little bit more interesting. We don't want to bore people. Also, typically, when you are at an event we will have visuals. Like that's a pretty common thing. I found out, maybe it was a couple of weeks prior to the event, that the organizer was looking for a more intimate experience. I think because of that, after Zoom and all of that, we were all sort of fed up with that and found out there isn't going to be any tech. 
just a microphone. <laughs> I must confess <laughs> that freaked me out a bit, got my heart palpitating. However, I had a couple of weeks to prepare accordingly. And of course, I did just that. Now, you on the other hand, <laughs> you were not aware of that. And when you showed up and I saw you there, you had your presentation, your computer. And I guess somebody must have told you shortly afterwards, because then you leaned over and said to me, do you know, like there's, <laughs> there's no tech, there's no presentations. And when I realized that you didn't know that, I don't know if you remember my face, Kathleen, but I had secondhand panic on your behalf. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I think I was probably looking at you all like deer in the headlights. I just remember you just really calmly said, no problem. I'm quick on my feet. I'll come up with something. There is where I saw your high D. I saw that confidence level that you were just like, yeah, I'm going to take this on. And then when you were speaking, I could see the eye coming through. You got up. You spoke from the heart and it was so authentic and inspiring and you made it look effortless. <laughs> you can tell me what was going on inside, but I think that you were just really naturally wired to do it that way. I think I was. The first time I ever went to speak at a conference and I was going to speak and someone came up to me and they said, are you nervous? And I said, no, I'm not nervous. The other person's like, everyone's nervous. You have to be nervous. So I was like, you don't understand. Like I've been waiting to, I was born to do this. Like I've been waiting to do this and I know I'm meant to and that's why I'm here. And the other person's like, I don't believe you, but there were two. And the other one's like, oh, I believe you. Like I can tell. Yeah. And I still get nervous, don't get me wrong, but there's something in my head that's like you were born to win. When things, like you wouldn't have the challenge in front of you if you weren't meant right. to. Right. So I always think it's interesting that you say the I, though, because to me, I has always been my most difficult adaptation. Mm -hmm. But I know I can put it on, but only for a certain amount. Of you time. know what? We're going to get into that a little bit because that's sort of leading into the next thing. What I would say in terms of that story, that is a point of distinction between us, because the same thing, I am actually very comfortable speaking on stage, but I have to be prepared. So I wouldn't have been good just like rolling with it the way that you were. So definitely. But what I noticed that we have in common is that when you came into the room, I was sitting sort of at the back of the room. The room was gorgeous. There were lots of tables with gorgeous views of the city skyline, tons of people chatting away. You came in and you sat at the back table in the corner, which is where I was. And this was very revealing to me because I thought in the moment that I recognized the signs of a fellow introvert. And now technically, we're both ambiverts because we got the exact same score on the introversion quiz. Listeners, if you want more information on that, it's on episode four called Reframing Introversion. And you can actually listen to that and figure out where you are on that scale as well. So in my opinion, <laughs> the reason we were both sitting at that table was because we were conserving our energy and our focus on our upcoming talk rather than depleting it by networking and making small talk with the people in the room. It's taken me quite a bit of time to lean into my knowledge of this. I've often felt guilty or worried in the past that people would think I was being rude or aloof. And that word has definitely followed me around most of my life. I'm curious, Kathleen, have you felt this way? And how do you handle that? I don't know if it's rude or aloof. I've definitely been people tell me that I'm like, I'm intimidating, which I find funny, mm -hmm. right? Because when you know me, I, I don't think I'm that way at all. But to say, yeah, I just seem intimidating. But I think 
you know, that day of that event, I also like was traveling there and then I was leaving for the airport and then I was flying to another function. Like I had many things yeah. on the go and I have definitely learned that I need to preserve my energy. Like I can get tired. Like I'm naturally very empathic as a person mm. as well. I have a very vivid inner world. Yes. Right? So I, there's a lot, I'm never alone. There's a lot going on all the time. So I, I say I'm very much the same. I do need to protect my energy. And coming out of COVID, I've been much more, much more sensitive to it, in fact. And I've talked to a lot of other speakers and, and introverted speakers, ironically, because I'm connected to quite a few. Yep. And the same thing to the level, it's not really a discussion today, but to the level it's created some like physical anxiety symptoms in some of us, including yeah. me, um, coming out of COVID because it's such a shift from being home and, you know, Zoom and all of a sudden you're out with people. So I've been very careful managing my energy. Like I'm not going out the day before conferences. I'm not staying afterwards. Like I need that renewal time and I need to realign inside. That's a really important part of my personality. Totally. And yeah, I'm really glad that you said that and shared that because it's true. And first of all, I think it's really important to point out what you just said. You know, you said fellow speakers and then you mentioned the word introverted. And there is this perception that public speakers are massive extroverts. And yet, so here we are having this conversation and we're not. We're in good company with Brene Brown, Susan Cain. Like there's so many people. It is that very interesting misperception about that. And for me, I feel like the power of my introversion is observation, sitting back, observing, reading the room, reflecting, contemplating. You learn a lot more from listening than talking. Where do you see the your power of being an introvert? Where has it sort of, I guess, guided you or helped you in, in your life? The same. I mean, I think when I got into real estate, my whole idea was to lean. I'm known to lean back. So people really underestimate me because I will watch. They call it... The, and people will totally misinterpret this, but they call it like the shark <laughs> phenomenon, right? Because I'll come in and I'll watch everything and I'll see what's working. And one of my core values in our business is model the best, forget the rest. So it's like, I'm just watching what's working. I don't want to take on any other habits. And then once I've practiced and watched it, then I'll show up. And they're like, where did she come from? So I think the same, I do take it in. But, you know, it's interesting because people who have more expressive personalities, which I am in, indeed, but you know, often we have the most blind spots. Mm. Whereas when you have more of S and C, you are taking it in, you're getting all that. You have so much feedback to offer, but often the expressive personalities don't ask the people <laughs> who are observing. Yes. So on stage is a great place for us because nobody's asking us what we think, but we're watching and we have a lot to share. That's a really good distinction to make for sure. And on teams, it's the power, right? If you're a leader who understands personality on a team, you're like, wait a minute, who's the right personality on the team to ask and go to about this and not be intimidated and realize they think differently from you for a reason. We need those people. And I find a lot, sometimes when leaders haven't had this training, unfortunately, they gravitate to people who either puff up what they think or who don't challenge them and they don't go to what the business needs. They go to what makes them comfortable. And that can cause all sorts of mess. We could have 20 episodes. Oh, about that. yes, you we could. Have- we both work with teams and, and we've seen that. And yeah, ideally you want this well-balanced team where people will respect the diversity of profiles and you'll have the person who is the idea person, but then you're not really going to get any far if you don't have the implementer, if you don't have that person who will follow through. So that is so true. Okay, switching gears a bit, I'd like to discuss how our disc profiles are connected to our Enneagrams. On episodes two and three, I use the Enneagram as a way to illustrate some of the high and low disc factors. For example, my disc profile totally aligns with my Enneagram. 
I'm type one, which is known as the reformer or perfectionist. Descriptive words for this are purposeful, striving towards high standards, the avoidance of making mistakes. And so the disc profile that I matched up to this was a combination of a high C, which is my second highest factor, and a low I. Now for you, Kathleen, you are an Enneagram type eight, which is known as the challenger. Descriptive words are confident, decisive, in control. The disc profile that I match to this is a combo of high D and low C, which aligns with yours. I am going to pose this question to you, but for me, outside looking in for you, I think that being a challenger has helped you maybe propel yourself out of some tough situations in the past and help you arrive at where you are today. First of all, do you see yourself as a challenger? That's the first question I would ask. Yeah, I mean, I'm challenging things all the time, right? I'm challenging people's realities so they can get into new spaces. And I've challenged my realities to get to new spaces. It's funny, I remember in university, like I had this obsession with the word subversive. And we actually use it in some of our marketing copy and carefully, Mm. because we've learned that there's a great reluctance or dislike of the word subversive. But when you look at what subversive is, it's somebody who goes from the inside and tries to disrupt to make something better. Now, some people do this for the wrong reasons and they're misguided, but challenger to me is is that. It's like, how can we reorganize and shift and make things better? So yeah, I think most people who know me probably would say I'm a challenger. <laughs> if that's the case, what has this helped you accomplish in your life, I guess, being this challenger? I feel like, you know, the first time we did Ultimate Team Summit, I used to run Canadian Team Summit, but this one we had on the front of the journals, I'm not going to quote it properly, I never do, but if you don't fit in or belong, it's because you were meant to make a new reality, mm. right? Like I don't fit in because I'm, I'm here to shift things. So I think being a challenger has helped me to see my purpose and say, it's okay to talk about things other people are uncomfortable about. It's okay to talk about things that connect and maybe we're silent about. And it's okay to push people if it's truly what they want and in their betterment. I think it's given me a lot of uh, confidence because I believe I'm of service. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think about as a challenger just for no reason, I don't know what the heck I do with my energy. (laughs) Actually, I do. When I was younger, I did it. I said, I used to think I wanted something and I'd go after it and i get it. I'd be like, why did you want this? Mm. Like, all you did was go out. Now I say I use my powers for good. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that. So I'm curious, did your training in NLP help with that? And can you tell us briefly what NLP can do? Because I find this so intriguing. Yeah, so NLP, it's Neuro Linguistic Programming the study of how we think and how we function. And it's also the honoring of if somebody else can do something well, we can learn from them, we can mirror them. So I mean, NLP is immensely powerful, because it allows you to do something like my keynote right now is talking about helping people go to ego to conscious to collective. And my belief is you can't be in a healthy collective unless you've moved out of ego into conscious. So our leaders are trying to move us into consciousness and how this connects with it. NLP is the awareness of your own brain thinking, your own patterns, your own beliefs. And you can't move out of ego to conscious until you realize you have choices for how you do life and what you believe in in life. And NLP really allows people to shift into that place to say, I can believe different things. I can do different things. I can also reset things. But at the core of NLP is personal responsibility, which is something I believe in so very much. Not to say there isn't discrimination or there isn't inequity. There absolutely is. But I'm a big believer in planting seeds, right? You can hit ceilings and you can look at stats all day long, or you can try to work to plant something new. I don't play in broken houses, right? I'm not here to play in broken houses. I'm going to create my own stages, my own houses. 
And I think that that's something that NLP supports people in that you're not what's happened to you. You're not what people have told you. You're not, you know, restricted by anything you don't want to be. You can choose to move towards something and empower yourself. So I'm a huge Mm. believer. NLP used for good. NLP can also be typecast as, you know, uh, salesy. And hey, I've gone into car dealerships and poor car salesmen because they get the worst. But where they use, (laughs) you know, hypnotic language patterns, which I'm trained in, and I see it. I'm like, are you joking right now? Like, are you insulting my intelligence? And you're not doing this of a place of service. You're doing it of a place of manipulation. And that's very different. I'm so glad that you made that distinction because I think we can apply that to a lot of the things we're talking about today, be it DISC, Enneagram. There's a lot of people that, and I'm sure you've had this experience too, Kathleen, that they've been asked to do their DISC profile and maybe it's because they're on a team and maybe it was their boss that asked them. And they are so worried about being labeled and pigeonholed. And you know what? I can't always say to them that that's completely invalid concern because I've seen it used incorrectly. So it's one of those things where, yeah, a tool in maybe the wrong hands or with the wrong purpose isn't going to be great. So nothing is all good and nothing is all bad, right? It's not binary. It's the application of it, right? So exactly for you, you're wanting to use it for positive. It's the same with DISC. When I'm coaching somebody, it's never about, oh, you're limited. You can't do that. It's about, wow, look at this unique profile you have. What can you do with this? And how can you ensure that people are understanding that and seeing that? I'm glad that you pointed that out because I think that's so important to say. I'm in the coaching world, right? So I say, I'm a Sherpa. Like I have the tour and equipment and I can take you there, but you've got to walk. Mm. Like you've got to. And how many times, you know, like to me, personal development is to learn to do better. It's to learn to take more responsibility. So if I said to somebody, I can't do that because I'm not an S, but then I didn't get somebody else to do it and respect that they could do it when I couldn't. That's not stepping into betterment, right? The way people, I can't do that because I'm an odd. Right, right. So I can't get any of that done. Well, who's going to get it done? So I agree with you completely, Victoria. It's like, we're not trying to be in boxes. We're trying to understand ourselves so we can connect outside of those boxes, Absolutely, right? absolutely. That's yeah. what it is. And I mean, that is all the platforms we've been discussing, right? They're lending themselves to self-awareness, to understanding, to leveraging strengths, and of course, that ability to connect with others. I'd love for the listeners to hear about Relentless to Rise and what the experience of writing your story and then watching your life play out on film is like. Can't imagine seeing that myself. Well, you know, I'm honest, like seeing the first world premiere was terrifying. Like I had my kids there, my sister there. And, you know, when you you think about, again, talk about, I call the fool's card in tarot. The fool's card is always like, yeah, this is a great idea. I'm going to get there. But you don't think about the journey, even though you love it. You just know, you trust you're going to do it. It's like, if you knew it'd be that hard, you wouldn't have done it. But it gives you this piece of luck. And maybe that's a challenger. So long story short, I don't think I really envisioned everything a documentary would mean in my life to myself, my kids, my family. That being said, I do believe in it. Like again, when we talked about, you know, these boxes and, and whatnot, it's like my belief is always I want to be permeable, right? Like if you think of a cell, it's like I want to be able to shift and move and grow. I don't want to be locked into any one thing. And the documentary, oddly enough, in my story is a lot about that. It's like you can't nobody has the power to tell you like you're this like oh you came from domestic abuse so your life's going to be difficult or you've had trauma it's like I have trauma and I have holdbacks from it and I also have great gifts from it and having the awareness of that has really really helped me so my book to me was going back and walking with people when I felt I was really alone mm. and that awareness that sometimes you know we can't move forward in life because we're not meant to walk alone and some of us had to and that was traumatizing so if I can go back and be like I've been there you can come out of this you can 
recreate your life. It's like I can rewrite my history and make it worthwhile and then hopefully influence their future, right? So that's what it was all about, I think, end of the day. Because I think I've had a lot of people try to give me titles or say I could or couldn't do things. And I was just like, no, I choose. Like, it's totally up to me. Yeah. And just briefly, I mean, not to get into it too deeply or personally, but I believe you left home at the age of 15. Is that right? Well, I probably was kicked out a few times before that, but I was kind of like, I was kind of, uh, what is the table tennis? I forget. Ping I'm not pong. a sports person. Thank <laughs> you. This is the word. I was ping ponged a little yeah. bit between houses. And yeah, it was really difficult. And I ended up to stay with a friend and her family at the end, which was very calm. And I mean, I'm a big believer that I obviously needed those tools, not to say they weren't difficult for me, they were immensely difficult for me, but I needed that for some reason. And I think end of the day, it's like, if I couldn't write the book or do the film or do things like this, as weird as it sounds, it's like, even though I'm in the present, my past isn't tolerable without making it worth something 10 times more beautiful Mm. than what it was beautiful. And for me, I know that sounds weird, but it's like, it just couldn't have been right if I couldn't turn it into something amazing wow. you know and people find it way harder than me like it's not that I had the worst of the worst I, I didn't people look at people in war yeah. and like other countries but like I believe in alchemy I truly truly do I, I believe in that even this last year there's been some things and it's like how do I take this and make it 10 times more beautiful and powerful so I'm 10 times more light to that yeah. dark I don't know. It's a cool way to live. I think I love it. And not everyone is able to get there, is able to get to that point. And again, I think your knowledge and self-awareness and and taking this deep dive into all this stuff with psychology and all these different things have probably enabled you to be able to do that. The reason that I wanted to just have you explain that a little bit, Kathleen, is that I think it's important for people to see your journey, to see where you came from, that you know, you had traumatic events in your childhood. You were kind of out on your own at 15 and look at you now, like, look at you today. Look at all the stuff that you have accomplished. So I think it really serves as some inspiration and for people to say, how did she do that? (laughs) And can I understand some of these techniques and tools and, and maybe do that for myself? I'm sure you have people say this to you all the time. Well, yeah. And I mean, it's probably why I coach too, right? Like, yeah, I mean, it's funny, like people message me about all sorts of things all the time, but a lot of it's very like, intuitive and spirit like they're looking for that next level they're like don't tell me how to do it tell me why I'm blocked tell me like how I stepped into that next version of myself so yeah people to be honest Victoria that was the feedback that gave my heart peace after the premiere oh good there's a lot of movies or documentaries that are influential but yours is also aspirational Mm. and you don't always get both and that really that touched me that gave me peace like it was worth it oh my gosh I love that I'm curious. So I know you've been out to California for a premiere and I think you're heading out again for a few more. Is there going to be a Canadian premiere? There is, but we're currently, it's a whole new world to me. We're currently in the film festival circuit. So the way it works is you go through the circuit and once you decide to do something private, you can't go to the majority of the film festivals. There's film festivals, then a private uh, event, and then you go to streaming, which is like Netflix Mm. or Prime or whatever you're going to do, right? So we're in that, but we are likely going to want to do something private in Toronto for all of our clientele because we want our whole network to be able to come. And we want to have probably a charity element because we always, that's important to us. We want to do that. We support women's shelters and food banks. That's a big part of our business. Absolutely. Well, that's sounds like a great idea. And I would definitely love to check it out when it comes. 
best of luck with the premieres. And thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate, you know, our chat and your insights. If you'd like to learn more about Kathleen and her company, you can go to her website at kathleenspeaks.com. Thank you so much for having me, Victoria. I always love chatting with you. And I love being on a forum like this because I get to hear your inner world, (laughs) right? That people don't always hear, which I think is really important. So it's like, ask, ask an introvert what they're thinking. You might be fascinated. Right? I love that. Thanks, Kathleen. We do have a listener question this week pertaining to the last episode on EQ. Are you ready? I'm ready. Hi, Victoria. You said that there are 87 emotions. I can't begin to wrap my head around that. Without reading Brene's book, can you give me an idea of what some of these would be? (laughs) Yeah, I know what you mean. 87 seems like a huge amount. And this is why I'm planning to do a future episode on it. In the meantime, here are some to give you a sense of what Brene's identified. Excitement, dread, admiration, resentment, wonder, boredom, amusement, disappointment, gratitude, despair, relief, humiliation, belonging, loneliness, tranquility, humility. So again, obviously that's not 87. I picked those out to give you sort of a a range of the spectrum. What's amazing is that you, and when I say you, I mean the collective you, you wouldn't necessarily come up with these. And it seems daunting if someone were to ask you to name more than 10. But yet when you hear them, they totally make sense. And it feels like you knew it all along, right? This is why I'm going to chase this down a rabbit hole. So stay tuned. Thanks for your question, and please continue to send them in. If you're interested in booking Victoria for a speaking engagement or team facilitation, contact her at discoverwhatworks.org. Thanks for listening. Remember, send in your questions to be featured on a future episode and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app.